This podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's pretty clear that almost everyone today has been feeling some level of emotional and psychological impairment due to the COVID pandemic. We've entered a mental health epidemic that's likely to endure over the coming years. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we can't really rely on our friends or family because maybe some of us aren't that lucky. And even if we do, they're probably not qualified to help us the same way that a trained therapist could. Which brings me to my point. Seeking the help of a professional therapist is an effective way to deal with the mental-emotional cloud that COVID has created. BetterHelp offers licensed, professional counselors who are trained to listen and to help. Talk with a counselor in a private online environment on your own terms from wherever you'd like. BetterHelp counselors are experts in a wide variety of topics like self-esteem, depression, anxiety, loss, and BetterHelp can get you access to help that otherwise may not have been possible in your area. So simply go now to fill out a quick questionnaire to assess your specific needs and to get matched with your perfect counselor in under 48 hours. Join over 1 million other BetterHelp users that are taking back control of their mental health with the help of experienced BetterHelp counselors. If for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional cost. BetterHelp is an affordable option for mental health counseling. And as an Unleashed Love listener, you get 10% off your first month with our discount code UNLEASH. Get BetterHelp today at betterhelp.com forward slash unleash. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash unleash. Start talking with a therapist online and get better help. Hello there and welcome to another episode of Unleash Love. My name is Clemel Young and I'm your host. And in this episode, we talk to Sequoia Stafford, the best-selling author of It's Hard, Sexual Satisfaction Secrets to Beat ED and I'm Not Jealous, the ethical non-monogamist's guide to free love relationships without suffering. She guides couples from around the world to find reverence in moments of intimacy and supports them to open doors to sacred partnerships. With over 20 years of experience training coaches and individuals, Sequoia is building a lifetime of study, drawing from practices such as neuroscience, tantra, shamanism, and evolutionary psychology. I had an absolute blast talking with Sequoia on this episode. We really dived into intimacy, sex, orgasms, and tantra quite profoundly. Some of her ideas are pretty controversial, but when you give it a good listen with an open mind, I am sure you're going to see the value in the conversation that we had. If you do like it, please go and leave a review on the Apple Podcast platform. Every single one we get helps us reach a wider audience. And I'm just so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for the support. And let's dive right in. Yeah, this morning I posted on Instagram. I, now I write these long <laughs> kind of texts <laughs> as if anyone's going to read it. So I'm writing them and I'm, I'm just pouring my thoughts out. It's kind of like a journal for me, even though I have a journal anyway. I want people to know, you know, I want people to know when I'm having a profound moment because I feel like it might help someone. So the note that I left today was something along the lines of it's taking decades for me to unravel and unlearn all of the bullshit that I learned when I was growing up and I got programmed with. 
And uh, it almost feels like it's unfair to have to do this because you would think, oh, I can live my life and just focus on the stuff that matters and not have to worry about like rewiring all the shit that was done to me when I was, and, uh, but I was like thinking, well, what's the alternative? You know, I mean, there's no alternative. You have to do it because if you don't do it, you're just going to, again, like you're going to go through life kind of with things happening to you. And I don't want that. I just don't want it. So, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, uh, it's taken me a long time to, to really fully kind of, well, not even fully yet. Cause I still don't fully get it, but get to a point where I'm kind of really setting intentions for my life. And it's not easy because it hurt, it, it hurts here. It, it like, you know, the, 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 the heaviness of the decisions that you have to make when you know that they're, they're going to align you with what your truth is, they're very difficult decisions to make sometimes. Like you, maybe you just have to leave the person you're with, or maybe you can't spend as much time with your family because they're too heavy for you. You know, they're too negative for you, whatever. Um, some of the, some of the decisions you have to make are so, so uh, yeah, it's like, it's adulting, right? Isn't it? It's just being an adult for yourself. It's really great. There's several things that you said that I really um, want to just acknowledge you for. First of all, that you left a note on Instagram versus, you know, I'm posting and wanting people to like respond, but that you, I love that, that you use the word, I left a note for someone to discover. It's really sweet. And I love that that's, that's, that to me is being in creation. You know, I'm, I'm creating a possibility for someone to tap into. The second thing that you said was just really great is I want people to know. I'm not sure if we talked about this the other day, but, um, you know, I, I have been following Dr. Ruth's work since mm-hmm. I was 12 and she's been the first sex coach or sex therapist that I started, um, you know, really learning from at a very early age. And one of the things that Dr. Ruth says is the Hebrew word for sex means to know. So if we take sex as her definition and what you just said, you want people to know, the reason you're looking for deep sensual connections, and I am as well, is because I want someone to know me. Mm. I want someone to know me so deeply that they will hold me close and not let me go, that they will protect me if I need to be protected, that they will trust me when I communicate something really, you know, um, extreme maybe, um, to, to step into a sensual intimate experience with someone is really an opportunity to reveal yourself so that someone can know you and to receive that which someone is willing to share with you so you can know them. And so I really love that you said you want people to know, because I was going to talk about that anyway. And, and, and it's, it says a lot about who you are and who you've gotten to in your life that you want people to know. And even this podcast that you're doing, right? You're in the process of wanting people to know things that you've discovered. And so you're not only sharing yourself, you know, with 
with the public, but also you're developing a knowing of yourself so that when you do get into that divine relationship, that you can share all these things. And the person that can receive them with honor and respect and um, hold you in a space of trust and, and safety, that's a person who you can go deeper into knowing that person and also helping you to know yourself even more. So I really love those two things. I don't know if I can shut off. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's nice. That was very nice. You're very articulate and observant. So I'm I'm really happy you're here. (laughs) Uh, It makes a big difference, right? When you notice what someone's really saying, like when you really listen, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I forget people's names and I forget what people have said. So it's something I have to work on. So it's nice to see it in action. But um, intimacy is something that I really haven't touched on too much in this whole podcast because we've been so inundated with doing, you know, relationship related or mental health related things. But intimacy is so important to me as a person. Uh, It's my primary love language is physical touch. And, uh, you know, um, I therefore gravitate towards just being close to people. Um, and, uh, and I also, you know, intellectually want to be close to someone psychologically as well. So I haven't really done a lot of content about it, which is why I'm really excited that you're here because you're actually specializing in intimacy, right? And you've written books, which you can see in the background there. It's hard and I'm not jealous. Okay. I'm going to come to that one. Cause I really love the title of that one. Um, Right. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to unearth loads of, to- of topics to discuss. But how did you get into this situation where this is what you focus on for, for a career? Was there any kind of catalyst moment for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> so I call those um, crucible events. Nice. So I've had many crucible events. Um, but I want to point to something that you just said before I go into those. When you said that I specialize in intimacy, I look at intimacy in the same way that I just described sex to know someone into me. You see. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Great intimacy into that into me. You see, if I reveal who I am to you and for women, you have to understand like you're, you were incarnated as a man, right? So you have the physiology of a man, whether or not the mind works at yet. You identify as a man. I identify as a woman and I was incarnated as a woman. So, so um, what I've learned over the years is something that I want all men to understand when a woman opens her body to you, literally, you can imagine that she has just taken a sword and sliced her body open. And she's saying, okay, I feel safe enough to let you touch the inside of my body. You as a man probably have never felt that because your, your sex and your physiology is the positive form of the physiology, you protrude outwards, right? And we call the man's uh, sex organ lamb in Tantra, and we call a woman's sex organs yoni. Now, lingam means wand of light. That's what it means in Sanskrit, wand of light. So I'll refer to it as lingam and wand, wand of light. 
A woman's yoni means in Sanskrit, sacred space. When a man enters a woman's sacred space, and I would say that a lot of women don't even know to call it that. They just think because we're trained in sex education throughout the world is really reproductive education. Penis goes in vagina and that's all that it does. And that's what sex is. That's not what sex is. Sex is to have into me. You see the man's lingam sheds light inside a woman's sacred space. If you are going to have that experience, a woman has to feel absolutely comfortable, literally surrendering into a man having full access to the inside of her body. <laughs> it's a completely different thing. So into me, you see, is a very vulnerable place for a woman to go. And media hasn't really ever expressed that. And sex education really doesn't express that. We have like conversations of abstinence and don't do it because you'll get pregnant. But how about we don't do it if we don't right. feel safe with the person, right? So, and, and as a man, when you like want to enter a woman's body, you have to understand that what you are entering is her DNA. You're entering her energy field. You're entering her reproductive possibility and also her psychological makeup. So going back to, you know, how I got into this work, um, I had several crucible events. I was um, molested as a child. I was um, sexually harassed. Um, I was sexually assaulted. I considered myself to be icky, that I was never going to get married. I was never going to have children because nobody would want me because I was damaged goods. That was a story going on in my head because of this programming that I had um, done things sexually as a little kid because I was being um, forced into them without my consent or without my knowledge of how to get out of it. So I couldn't talk during sex. I would just basically close my eyes and, and not say anything. And I would just wait till it was over. I never had orgasms. I thought there was something wrong with me. And in my first book, it's hard. I write about how I did not have functionality sexually. So I had dysfunction. And the reason I understand what men go through when they have ED and other forms of sexual dysfunction is because I went, I went through that myself and I healed through different practices that I now teach. Now, I've also had a lot of loss. I lost four babies when um, I thought that my body was working properly and my, my sex organs were working to also produce children. I have one daughter, which she is amazing and she's the light of my life. But my baby loss that I had after her um, was devastating to me. It, it um, created a problem with my marriage and the marriage didn't survive. And all of that broke my heart because I love children. I used to teach children. Um, I have a huge family and all I wanted was a big family. So those experiences had me go in to discover what is going on with my life. I'm having these crucible events. I was angry at the universe. I'm a very healthy person. So why am I losing babies and all of these things? So through that experience, I learned 
some key factors, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today. And that one of them is what you were saying um, earlier about, you know, your vacation, you're going on vacation, not knowing what to expect. Well, what you can expect is you're going to find more of yourself. You're going to be put up against situations where you're going to have a choice. Am I going to create my experience to be one that is going to evolve my growth and development, my spirituality, um, maybe even recuperate and rejuvenate? Or am I going to avoid all of that and go into a default experience of life? When I coach people, I teach people how to have a life that's growing instead of dying. And relationships are the same way. If you get into a relationship, your relationship is either growing or dying. It's not in a stasis. It's not in the middle. And that is what a lot of these crucible events taught me. Mm, mm, Yes. My God, that's, you've been through a lot. And uh, I can only imagine, I can, I can't even imagine how hard it must have been for you. Um, So the fact that you're, you know, you've been able to find that avenue to transmute all of those negative emotions and thoughts and feelings into positivity and come out of this, uh, for as far as I can see, a much wiser person and like a, like a, like a, a, a lust for life, if you will. Yeah. That's great. Uh, well, I, I see, I see my journey as a hero's journey, very much like mm. Joseph Campbell talks about, right? Um, you can look at any hero's journey um, in, in movies like Star Wars is a hero's journey. I've had my own hero's journey. I wouldn't wish all of the things that someone might call tragedy. I don't wish that on anybody, but I wouldn't change mine ever because each one of those obstacles taught me where my superpowers are. Mm-hmm. And that's what I teach the people who I work with is those pain points Those are the points where the universe is saying you have superpowers. You can be extraordinary or you can go to the default and avoid your purpose for life. Yeah. And teaching people how to embrace their hero's journey and and embrace the difficult times as a learning opportunity to find the gems that you were born with is one of my superpowers. But it's because I've been through so much. I mean, we haven't even talked about I I had Lyme disease. I mean, there's I had it all. But I wake up every morning going, oh my gosh, what obstacle am I going to experience today that I'm going to be a wiser and stronger superhuman um, by by learning how to get through it, not to avoid it. And I like to say that I go through the eye of the needle. And when I come out to the other side, I am a transformed me. And mm. all I can wish for and, and intend for every morning is how to be a better and better version of me and get closer and closer to being the creator I was born to be. Mm. That's beautiful. That's a really beautiful way to describe it. I listened to someone on Clubhouse earlier in a Spanish room that I joined. Uh, I'm just, 
I, I speak Spanish, so I jo joined this room and there's a saying, uh, no hay pena ni gloria, which means, you know, there's no pain or glory. If you don't speak, if you don't get up on stage, if you don't share, if you don't, you know, become active, you don't have the pain and you don't have the glory. So it's kind of like you're losing anyway, right? Uh, and I feel the same way about the eye of the needle, go through it and you'll be a much better person because of it. And I feel like most of us still have to discover that. Yeah, I love what you said because um, part of my hero's journey was realizing that um, joy and sorrow are two sides to the same coin. Mm -hmm. So if you don't ever embrace your sorrow, it, let's say, for example, because a lot of people think in negativity, right? So let's say, for example, you, you curse your sorrow. Let's say I curse the fact that I ever lost babies. Well, then guess what? I'm also cursing the fact that I had a beautiful baby girl. So the fact that I embrace the sorrow, then I'm also embracing the joy. And the level of your sorrow, the depth of your sorrow, and I tend to be someone who's very emotional. You can even see it in my eyes. I'm already glossing over the depth of the sorrow of losing those children. It took me a very long time to get over. But that is the reflection of how deep my love and joy is of those children and also being a mom to the daughter that I do have. So I've had a lot of loss in my life, but it taught me to be grateful for every second. So each one of those four babies that I lost, instead of being angry at the universe, I, uh, I said thank you to the universe and to the babies because for whatever reason, I had them for the amount of time that I had them. And my first baby loss actually is the one reason I found out after 10 years of suffering from Lyme disease that I had Lyme disease. I, wow. I wouldn't have found it out if I hadn't lost that baby because that baby was saying, mom, something's going on with your body and you don't know it. So I'm going to come, I'm going to leave you early and you're going to go on a pilgrimage to figure out what it is. And because his name is Alden, because of Alden, I was able to find the doctors who could help me find out that I had Lyme disease and help me cure Lyme disease in a way where I no longer suffer from it. So you can see that example, the joy and sorrow are something that they're, they're hand in hand. You can't take the sorrow part off of that coin just to get the joy. You have to embrace both. And that's also what I teach people, like through erectile dysfunction. Look, there's something that this erectile dysfunction is teaching. Mm -hmm. Let's address it instead of just, you know, take a pill to like cover it. Let's address it. What is at the heart of it? And I actually say that at the heart of sexual dysfunction, whether it's a man or a woman, is a broken heart and um, what that does to the body. And then we also look at, you know, your physiology, your nutrition. Oftentimes, um, erectile dysfunction is an advanced warning sign of cardiovascular disease. Yeah. So right. 
if you're starting to have that, and now I'm not talking about the psychological, I'm talking about the physiological erectile dysfunction. The psychological dysfunction can be added on to a physiological problem. But if we can get the physiological uh, start of erectile dysfunction handled and we can start reversing that, then we can deal with the emotional, psychological and spiritual side of what it feels like to go through your body part not working. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I specialize in. Mm, Okay. All right. Interesting. So there's a lot we can talk about. Um, And I think maybe so something that I'm really interested in is this tantric energy that you've talked about. And I wanted to try and anchor the conversation around sexual energy, because it's so fascinating to me. And it rules everything, right? I mean, like, that's you can explain, but it's underneath everything. That's what we need to focus on if we want to have the best sex. If we want to be, you know, uh, kind of, well, you, the way that you said it was, it's like a, it's like a flow of energy and you want to make sure there's no blockages there so that you can fully experience it. And, uh, and you said something, I'm going to say it and talk about this in shortly, but even when it comes to things like orgasms, there's different types. So there's like exhaustion orgasms and there's like, uh, I don't know how you explained it, but maybe you can, maybe you can take it from here. So what is tantric energy? It's what's something I think people really don't know, or they, they think they know, but they don't. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So what's interesting is people hear Tantra and people really who have not studied it think, oh, they're talking about having sex, like Sting mentions, you know, who can have sex for hours because of Tantra. So there's this misconceived notion what Tantra, Tantra equates sex. It doesn't. Actually, Tantra yoga is one of the branches of yogic practice that is a spiritual exploration and transformation of human being. So let me say that kind of another way so people can kind of stay with me. So Tantra means to weave and there's white Tantra and red Tantra. So white Tantra is my own personal practice. It does, it does include meditations. It does include uh, flowing of your energy. It includes breathing practices. It includes putting your body into certain positions. That is for me to weave all the aspects of me together so that I'm a whole and complete human being. Mm-hmm. Now that's white Tantra. That's a very, very specific advanced practice um, yoga is not, you know, yoga in the United States and I don't know, maybe even in the UK, yoga has been come this fitness craze, but really it's a practice of transformation, how to become the best human being that you can be in this incarnation. So it is a mindfulness practice that also it includes the mind, body and spirit. So Tantra that's white Tantra we are trying, it goes back to what we were saying before, uh, into me, you see, I'm having intimacy with myself, all parts of myself so that I can be whole and complete. So then when I go to work with another person or be with another person, 
sexually or even in relationship as a family member, as a, as a coworker, as a friend, or as a sensual partner, then I can then have a tantra where I can weave my energy with the other person's. So then sexual tantra is red tantra. Red tantra is where you weave your energy with your partner's energy so that you can amplify your energy. Now, amplifying your energy does a few things. First of all, that's all an orgasm is. An orgasm is taking your energy from wherever you are in stasis and amplifying it. Just so happens that with another person, if their energy goes up to this level and you're having sensuality with them, then your energy is this level. You both get to go up to this level. It magnifies it. It doesn't just like, it's not a sum game. It's actually a magnification game. If that makes sense. Mike, are you tracking me so far? I am tracking you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just fascinated and fixated and wondering what comes next. So yeah. <laughs> good, 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 good. So, um, so if we're going to go into a, a tantric experience with a partner, we have to have done our own work. Now, you can do this without doing your own work, but it's not going to be as fun. It's kind of what you were saying, you know, when we've talked before, is you're, you're working on yourself so that when you go into your next relationship, that it will be this exploration of sacred partnership, which is what I call it. Sacred partnership is something that's my term, but I, I, I get that that's what you're looking for in your life. You don't want to have this, you know, um, serial monogamy. You actually want to have that, that very special person. I call that sacred partnership. So you have, you, you, if you do your own personal work, then when you go into relationship with the other person, then you both can do work together. And that's what the, the energy is. So with tantric energy, you're tapping into the second chakra for creation energy. Now, the second chakra is the chakra of reproduction. It's um, down here, right? Like it's yeah, it's, it's your sexual organs. It's your reproductive right. organs. And if you don't want to talk woo-woo and chakras, just think of it as the brain and the nervous system the neurology of the body has several different nerve pathways and there's a nerve pathway that goes down to the reproductive organs. And that is the pathway that most people get their orgasm ignited up to the brain from is that, that nerve bundle. We in, in Tantra, we call it a chakra. Chakra just means disc. So it's like a spiraling of energy. So that's a pool of energy, and it's also connected to your neurology. Now, most people just leave their energy there and like a balloon that's hard-edged, right? So once the energy gets too big, the container can't handle any more energy, so it has an ejaculation or an orgasmic release. Mm -hmm. But in tantric yoga, we're saying there's more pathways, there's more ways that you can expand that container into the flesh of your body, into 
the cells of your body and your auric field, which is your energy field outside of you. And so if, for example, you're sitting in what's called Yab Yum, where you're sitting in Lotus and your partner is sitting over you and facing you, they're in your auric field. They're in the energy body that goes out about, see, I'm six foot tall. So my auric field goes out six feet because my wingspan is also six feet. So my auric field is pretty big. Um, When someone sits with me in my auric field and then touches my physical body, they're weaving by physiology, they're weaving their energy with mine. Mm-hmm. Now we can be intentional about it. And that sexual energy center chakra number two, where your reproductive organs are, you can move that energy up to your brain and in the process, because energy goes in a spiral like a snake. Okay. That's why Kundalini energy that's sitting at the base chakra is represented as a snake in most of the sacred illustrations. It it looks like a snake. So you can actually ignite that Kundalini and say, okay, now go up my body and go to the center of my brain, which is the seat of God or the eye of Ra in um, Egyptian uh, mythology. And if you can send that energy to the center of your head, that's actually the pineal gland. It's right in the center of your head. If you can feed it to the pineal gland, that lights up your crown. And then you have this, what is called a toroidal field of energy that flows out your brain. And it's kind of like like a whirlpool around your body and you can absorb it and it can keep it going. Now, that is a very advanced explanation, I think, of what you're talking about, but, but uh, I want you to understand that it, the, the, the tantric energy flow has many ways to be, to be fed all over your body. But the first thing to realize is that it doesn't need to stay down in your reproductive organs. You can move it up with breath. You can visualize it. Even if you're looking at your partner, you can visualize in your mind's eye that you have this spiraling of energy and breathe it up. Yeah. And that's that when you're actually having the orgasm or before or. Oh, it it can happen before it's best. If you're doing it in the journey of that's how you have what is called expansion or extended um, ecstasy experiences. And you can prevent that. Remember how I said that, that most people interact with their sex organs as like a rigid holding the energy in their sex organs. And that's why people have what is called PE or premature ejaculation or women don't have an orgasm because it's tense and it's rigid. But what I teach is don't have it rigid, be, be soft and receptive and allow the energy to travel and and then practice seeing if you can breathe it up. Fill your heart with it. And the more you can move that energy around your body, the more your body parts are ignited. 
And um, this is a way to uh, also feed all of your chakras. So going from chakra one is at your buttocks, then chakra two is your genitals, then chakra three is your solar plexus, which is right under your belly, or sorry, right under your rib cage, where the sun of your body is. And then four is your heart, five is your throat, six is your third eye, and seven is the crown. So as you're moving the sexual energy in a spiral through the chakra system, you're giving each one of the chakras that manifestation creation energy from the second chakra. And that heals whatever is going on. It can open up blocks. Um, that's why this practice of tantric yoga that you practice with your partner or on yourself can be very healing. And um, a lot of people know what Reiki is. This is basically Reiki, but you you can do it to yourself. You don't have to go into uh you know, a, a Reiki practitioner's office to actually do this. And so every morning when I'm doing my creation meditation, I'm doing this. I'm waking my energy centers up and I'm feeding my energy centers with the manifestation energy of the second chakra. So I've said a lot. So I'm going to like take a breath. I'm also turned on because I just moved a lot of that. Very <laughs> good. Um, and I'm hoping that that um, answered some questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, more than I expected. So thank you for the really great explanation. I've never heard it explained that way. And it's so simple the way that you that you did it. Um, I've been running around chasing my tail trying to figure out what all this means, but that's really illustrative. So thank you. Um, that's a marketing snippet right there. So uh, yeah. What, why do you think... Um, why do you think this is so we're not born with this knowledge i mean this isn't the normal way to experience sex or is it and we just forgot it or i don't i don't know is it great question no i think that um all of us are born with what i call god knowledge now i think that god knowledge sits in our heart like if you can really feel into the heart is the chakra that blends the upper chakras and the lower chakras. So really the center of your energy system is the heart chakra. It's, um, if you've seen the Star of David, it's the triangle going up and the triangle going down. It's at the center, it's called the Merkaba, right? So Merkaba is another way to pronounce it. So the, the, the lower chakras are seen as the um the physical form chakras they're the they're the earthly body chakras and when those meet with the spiritual chakras which the throat the third eye and the crown are the spiritual chakras so when those two chakra systems come together you have the whole and complete human being so going back to your question I think that we're all born with this knowledge, but we were also born with a little bit of soul amnesia so that we could find our way back to knowing. That's why it's called remember, right? You're, you're, you're becoming whole again, but it's kind of like a game that we did on purpose to ourselves. 
The reason we did this to ourselves is so that we could prove to ourselves that we are the creators and we've got the courage to go the path that most of us are scared to go, which is to go back into the knowing of our soul. So I also do a lot of shamanic healing work and shamanic journey work. And one of the places you go in shamanic journey work, which is the upper worlds, is what's called the Akashic Records. The Akashic Records are where all souls' um, energy is stored. It's what I am calling the God voice or the God knowing that I think that your heart can tap you into. So when I journey up there and I ask my guides to show me what it's like to be in the Akashic Records, there's an experience of when my soul is hanging out with another soul. We don't have a physical body. We have energy bodies, the same kind of energy bodies that we have here on earth, but we also have a physical body. We are, I see us as hybrids. We're animal and spirit. So when I journey up to the Akashic records and my soul and another soul are giving each other a hug, there is no edges. They just go through each other. And the closer I get to that soul, I can actually feel their energy. That's the same thing that I train people in as being a human being in these tantric experiences. So I have a a lover who's in Southern California. I'm in um, Northern California in Santa Cruz, California. Um, And I can feel him thinking about me and he can feel me thinking of him. And we can have these, it's sometimes called lucid dreaming or um, astral travel. We can travel to each other and have these experiences where we can feel each other's energy. When you're physically in contact with a person, it's sometimes harder to feel the energy because we humans are so damn obsessed with the physical, I call it a skin bag. <laughs> like I've got a skin bag. And sexually, we're really kind of obsessed, and porn does this a lot, with mm. the skin bag friction, you know, uh, exhaustion, you know, orgasm. I call that skin bag slapping together for a release. Like So basically, this is when you have an orgasm and you're just kaput. You're out for the count or you need to relax and rest before you can do it again. But whereas with the tantric sex and the tantric orgasms, it's something that doesn't exhaust you. In fact, it energizes you. It makes you more energetic. That's right. That's right. Now, there's nothing wrong with animalistic sex. I love that too. Uh, I just happen to know that I'm a hybrid of animal and spirit. So for me, there are um, there are times when I'll have animal animalistic flesh skin bag sex. That's okay. I am an autonomous sovereign human being. There is no head sequoia. I mean, there's no one who's the head human over Sequoia. I am my head human. 
So I get to choose whether or not I have animalistic skin bag sex or whether I have only energetic spiritual sex or whether I have a combination of both. It's my choice because I get to choose what feels good to me. Yes. Can you have the higher energy form of sex with someone who isn't familiar with Tantra? Yes. Mm-hmm. You can mm. And I call that, oh my God, please do that again. <laughs> oh my God, please do that again. Right. Have them beg for you to do that again and again and again. And I have a whole section in my course. It's called, Oh my God, please do that again. I think that's the title of one of my chapters and it's hard. That is really good. Oh my God, please do that again. If you can elicit that response in the moment, like for a woman to go, Oh my God, please do that again. That is a woman saying, I'm ready for multiple orgasms. I'm ready. Yes. Go ahead. So would that mean that it's kind of like the man's job because of the way that you're talking about it? It's like a woman saying, oh my God, do that again. Okay. So that's a great question. But of course I'm coming from a perspective on a woman, but no, I mean, a man, um, I have plenty of lovers in my life who are like, oh my God, please do that again. Oh my God, please do that again. So it it's either, but here's, it's a great question. Here's the thing. When you are a receiver of pleasure, all you can do is be a receiver. You can't be in a surrendered place where you're experiencing this ecstasy and also be giving. Now, the reality is that that pleasure that you're experiencing washes your partner with the most amazing, oh my God, I did that kind of energy. Like, of course, I'm going to want to do that again. And I did that to you, damn straight. So let me go back. A receiver can only be a receiver at the time that they're receiving. So the person who's receiving, you want to elicit the response. Oh my God, please do that again. Now the giver can only be giving, but you do get something from being the giver of that kind of experience. Mm. So when a giver is giving, Don't try to be getting your peace. Know that that is right. And when a receiver is receiving, don't try to also give. This is the mistake most people think because they don't want to be selfish or whatever. But I teach people give when you're giving, receive when you're receiving, and then switch. Mm -hmm. Then consciously switch. Right. So, but also know the flow of uh, arousal and the anatomy of orgasm. So, most men don't know this. So here's a tip, all you men and, and women, or, you know, they's or Z's, whatever you identify with, here's the thing with female, um, orgasm. It takes the incarnated female physical form 20 to 30 minutes just to get aroused and engorged. You don't want to enter a woman's pussy until she's engorged. If you want, oh my God, please do that again, energy from your female partner, get her body to a state of engorgement. Now, engorgement looks like, you know, primates that have those, um, you know, the, their bottom looks like it's, it's a puffy, like pushed out section of their body. 
That's what the female genitalia looks like when she's ready to be entered. Now, what does this do to the man's member? The man's member, when you enter an engorged, puffy yoni, you're going to feel more juice. It's going to feel tighter. It's going to be electrified. But if you have a a yoni that is not engorged, it's not turned on, it's just going to be like a deflated balloon. So, um, so yes, you can, but I recommend men understand that there is an eliciting of that. Please do that response that to me again response. And it generally takes 20 to 30 minutes. Don't rush it. You'll know when she's ready, when she's begging you to enter her. Don't enter her until you have coaxed her body to be gorged juicy and begging you to enter her. Now, the problem is that like what your question was, is that can a tantric practitioner, like for example, what you're learning in tantra, can you elicit that response out of a partner who hasn't done that? Most women who don't, most women don't know this about their bodies. I didn't know it until I studied it and, you know, became a teacher of it. So if that's true, that a woman isn't going to know that it takes her 20 to 30 minutes, most people are having sex intercourse within five minutes of, you know, you know, necking and kissing and stuff like that, because they think the the bullshit that we were taught in sex ed, which is really reproductive ed, is that penis goes in vagina, everybody has fun, and why aren't you women having orgasms? But if if we actually can help her to learn this about her body and you as the educated man is the one who's got to bring that out in her, I am going to focus on you. And as a man, when you focus on her, all of that juicy energy is what's going to turn you on. Men's turn on comes from the flame that's ignited inside the woman's body. So if you can not want your peace, but just know that you're going to have a bigger orgasm if you are having an orgasm at the same time that this engorged, beautiful woman is, say, begging you to be inside her, begging you to do it again and again and again. The work you're going to have to do as a man is how to not ejaculate too soon. Mm -hmm. And that's where the work that you came into the clubhouse room and you, you were on stage and asking me questions. That's where that non-ejaculatory orgasm and the multi-orgasmic man's work steps in. And that's why it has to be a partnership. Go ahead. And that's not the edging when you're just on the edge of the orgasm, but you're not going over into it to explode. It's not that kind of thing, right? How is it different than that? So the word edging, does that sound fun? Uh, I mean, if you know what it feels like, it can, it can sound fun. Look at the, look at the word. Like it has edges to it. It's kind of hard. It's kind of got like points to it. That's not an experience that anybody's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go practice edging. You've got a point there. So, so let's just think of the way we call things, the, the terms that we use. 
Like, for example, Yoni, sacred space. Lingam, wand of light. It's very different than, you know, pussy, you know, cock. Like, yeah, we can have those kinds of conversations. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't check in with you first to see if your podcast is okay with them. Um, on here. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, if we can bring an aspect of reverence to the practice, then the intentionality can have reverence and sacredness, right? So, right. you know, I'm not like I'm not opposed to hardcore, you know, BDSM and that kind of stuff. But I'm I don't I don't work in the realm of dark magic. I don't work in the I work in the light side of things. So edging to me has a dark edge to it. So okay. edging, it, the way it's described is. You get a man to go as close as he can go to an orgasm. And then somehow you, you and him prevent that orgasm from happening by squeezing the tip of the penis or, you know, squeezing this, a part of the body and, and forcing the ejaculate not to come out. That is, in my opinion, um, and I'll totally own that this is my opinion and my experience working with thousands of men and their partners that can be uh, painful. It can be um, uh, not a healthy way of treating the prostate gland, which the prostate gland is the gland that produces the excretion that we, you know, we know the semen, I'm sorry, so the, the sperm goes into the, um, the ejaculate from the prostate. So, if it's the if the juice is already in the prostate and you're physically doing things and you don't do anything to utilize that that um, the fluid and the excretion of that gland, then it can get into that gland and it can get stagnant. And that stagnation and old fluid that's stuck there can then become a cancerous um, growth. Wow. Okay. So, so the reason I'm telling you that is because I'm not saying that edging is wrong or bad. Practice it if, if you if you want. But what I'm saying is what we were talking about before. Move the energy through your body while you're being pleasured, and don't just contain it. And then at the very end, try to have it go somewhere else. Do that moving and expanding, right? Um, I sometimes call this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. My question is how, how yeah. do we do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was just going to do. So, so, so oftentimes I describe this as when you blow a balloon up, right? You blow a balloon up and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you as blowing it up can tell when the balloons container is about to pop. You can tell, but if you're wise about it, you can blow it out. And the substance of the balloon, there's like an intelligence of the membrane. And you can feel that as the person blowing the air into the balloon. So if you blow air into the balloon and you let it settle with the membrane, the membrane kind of adjusts and goes, oh, okay, so now I'm good. You can put more in now. And then you can blow it up bigger and then bigger and then bigger. The same is true with this bundle of energy down in your genitalia. So while you're 
stroking, say you're inside a woman's yoni and you're stroking and you're feeling, oh, I'm feeling my balloon. Now's the time to practice. It's like just the first kind of, oh, I feel that balloon filling. It's not ready to ejaculate, but you can feel it. So that's when you get a couple of strokes in and you go, okay, now I'm going to take that energy with my breath and go and see if you can allow the membrane, the container, the energetic container to settle. And then you breathe it out with a sound. Maybe you shake your body a little because energy moves in spirals, arcs, right? You've seen sound waves. They always are going up and down. They're not a straight line. Straight line means there's no energy there, right? So, so if you are going to breathe into that container, let it settle, feel the edges and then breathe it out. (sighs) Now, breathing out the energy does not mean that you are no longer turned on. So say, for example, you breathe it up and you're at this level. Let's call that a three, right? And when I, and I'm going to scoot back. So when I say you breathe it up, this is one of the reasons why I teach on this surface, right? So you breathe it up and then you, and then you relax it. Now you breathe it up again. And give a sound. (sighs) Notice that it doesn't go back to a deflated balloon. It just settles where it is. And then you can actually breathe into it more. (sighs) Now, why am I wiggling my body? Because energy flows in spirals. And your body, if it's rigid and tense, then you're going to get... You're not going to get those spontaneous convulsions that are characteristic of of an orgasm. So an orgasm is an amplification of energy. It is also um, uh, involuntary muscular contractions. It's coloring around the eyes in a purple, very similar to this purple shade. Abdominal ridging. And... And those are orgasms. Now, ejaculation is different for women and for men. Okay, so an orgasm can be separated from the ejaculation. You don't need the ejaculation in order to have an orgasm. So when you're breathing these this energy up, you can visualize, okay, I'm having, I'm, I'm entering my woman, I'm entering my woman. And if you feel that container restrictive, like, oh, I'm feeling full, which is actually what the prostate does. It fills with fluid and then it has no more space and it ejaculates it out. So if you're feeling that, then you pause. And the pause can be as simple as stare into your partner's eyes and take a breath. See if you can get comfortable with the fullness and make a sound out. And if you're on your partner, you know, you can be you know, moving your body and her moving too. If the moving is going to tip you over the edge, just ask her to pause. And you might not be able to do that with words. So what I use is tapping. Pause. When a person taps you out, 
you and them just pause. You don't move and you just stare each other in the eyes. This is the into me you see moment. And then when you're ready, you can tap again or you can nod. Okay, let's go. And then you can actually continue on. And when you feel that, that engorgement of the orgasmic center, then you do another pause, tap out, pause, and, and see if you can bring, I like to say that that orgasmic energy, I feed it to my other chakras or parts of my body. Like say, for example, I have a, an injured shoulder. I'm going to breathe it up to that injured shoulder and feed it. Or sometimes I say, breathe it into all your cells, like stardust. <sighs> and if it takes a couple of breaths, let it take a couple of breaths. Who wants to get to the end result? The pleasure is the journey, just like the hero's journey. The, the pleasure is the path you're taking, right? So then bring it up to your heart and ha, and then bring it up to your throat and ha, and bring it up to your third eye and ha, and then bring it up through your crown and then see if you can absorb it going through again. And you just keep doing that. It's as simple as that, actually. Really? Okay. Okay. That, that's interesting. I didn't think it would be that easy or simple rather, but, it, but, but so, okay. So, so you're doing that. What does it feel like? I think people are probably wondering, okay, so this seems like it's great and everything, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to be looking for. Right. So what it feels like is, um, well, I feel it right now. So, um, it feels like every part of my skin is tingly. It feels like I can go run a marathon. Like I have so much energy right now. It feels like my genitalia is, is puffy and engorged. Um, I don't have a lamb, so I can't say that's what a lamb feels like, but I have asked lots of men what does it feel like when you're fully engorged and you are on the verge of an orgasm exploding in your body? And it's similar to that, right? So men, when you feel that tightness, and this is what a lot of men who have erectile dysfunction are wanting to have in their genitalia. They want to have that feeling of stiffness and hardness right that's why my book is called it's hard because it's hard psychologically and emotionally but once we get you to that point you get to have it to be hard again so that that sensation of fullness but it's a fullness that you can settle into and it feels good to sit there versus painful so so many so many People, when they get to that point, they're like this. They're like, ah, oh, ah. <laughs> and it's and it looks like it's painful. How how about we go the opposite and see if we can feel the pleasure? And here's another secret for everyone in the audience: the nerve pathways that feel pain are the same nerve pathways that feel pleasure. Same nerves. There's not pain nerves and pleasure nerves. They're all the same. So oftentimes it's a story we have in our head that that's painful. 
pain is sometimes this really powerful, intense sensation of energy. And Mm. if we can actually look into this story we have in our head about it being intense and uncomfortable, this is really what edging or this multiple orgasm, non-ejaculatory orgasm that I teach is doing. It's reprogramming the brain to have new associations with a sensation of fullness. So the fullness doesn't have to put you over the edge, but it requires being really present in the moment, eyes on the prize. When when people close their eyes in ecstasy, oftentimes they're in their fantasy world and they're trying to get to an experience that they've had before, or they, um, they want to have it go a certain way. So oftentimes I ask the person right here, be with me, be with me, because these are the windows to the soul, right? I have the experience of when I'm with my partner, I want him to know me. I want him to see my soul. I want him to want to go into the universe. That is my, my entire experience. So a way to stay and not have like that tipping over into the point of no return of an ejaculation is to stay with me and communicate to me what you need me as your woman to do. And also for a woman, we need to be able to communicate with our man. But if he's not present with us, or we're not present with him, then you literally are having flesh experiences, but your souls aren't sharing that energy, which is the weaving that Tantra is. Now I've said a lot, so I I, I want you to kind of integrate and digest. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. It's really great. So far. This is a super educational. I mean, a lot of the time we converse about ideas and about concepts and opinions too, which makes for great conversation. But there are episodes like yours where it's just so nice to just sit back and listen because it's so informative. And and this particular subject, I think, is going to be very well received because who doesn't want to have more pleasure and who doesn't want to have better sex? Yes. Yeah. And it, it heals. It's so healing. Even if you never have an orgasm, even if you never have an ejaculation or, you know, multiple orgasms or, you know, a, a, a life with lots of experiences of sex. The fact of the matter is to be witnessed by another human being mm. in a vulnerable state of ecstasy is one of the most healing experiences that you could have as a receiver and give as the giver. And that is really at the heart of all of my work. When, when I hold someone in that space, they are allowing themselves to heal from whatever happened in their life. And that's really going back to the very original question that you asked at the beginning of this conversation, 
That's what healed me from all of my crucible events. The person with me didn't heal me. The space that they held, the that sacred reverence for witnessing and making sure that I'm safe as I go through that valley of terror, that's my special sauce is Sequoia the coach. I do it like nobody else I know. And it's an honor. That's where my shamanic roots come back. And I see Tantra as a shamanic practice, a healing practice. And that is, I hold a very sacred space. I hold a very safe space for someone to go into those realms of courageous vulnerability such that they can go through the eye of the needle and come out transformed because of what they did for themselves. All I do is hold the space. And that's what I teach couples to do for each other. Because I believe that sacred partnership includes I am my partner's healer and he is my partner. He is my healer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I love how you've pulled that back to the very beginning and kind of like finished off on that note because you can see the 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 transformation that's happened like i mean we can imagine what you must have what, what kind of a situation you must have been in mentally emotionally physically right and now it's almost like you can't even you can't even see it no one would know just look i mean i don't know how old you are but you look super great i mean it just i, I have a feeling i have a feeling that there, it's got something to do with what you're doing um so uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Peacock, I about the peacock, right? The peacock is, uh, the totem of my work and the peacock is all about beauty and transformation. Um, taking something that was, um, toxic or, or, or not working and transmuting it into something beautiful. My work is using the peacock. Uh, medicine to heal and transmute difficult situations into um, beauty. And uh, it's like the, a peacock is also known as the Phoenix and Phoenix comes out of the ashes. Right. So I just happen to be 50. I turned 50 this year. Wow. And I am younger than I've ever been. Um, because, and I believe that I'm going to live to 200 years old because this is my way of biohacking my existence here on the planet. I call it sex hacking, but um, <laughs> utilizing the sexual energy to uh, to fill every cell in my body with new life. And that's why I say, if you're not growing, you're dying. How do I keep my body in a shape where I can have a life of pleasure and joy and beauty. It's because I transmute anything that I'm taking in, whether it's taking in energy from someone else or taking an emotion from someone else or food. I only put in what is going to serve me to live 200 beautiful years because I want to transform the planet. I want to take the pain and suffering out of love and relationships and intimacy because it has been so painful for so many people. I mean, look at divorce rates, you know, they are skyrocketing. 
Um, and I want to reduce divorce by 50% by 2040. So, you know, I'm hoping that these conversations, this is one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll get on a podcast with you. Um, I'm on a mission to reduce divorce rates by 50% by 2040. And I'm on a mission to take the pain and suffering out and see if we can all create relationships that are sacred partnerships and uh, grow humanity to be, you know, cooperative uh, as a community. Wow. You and I are speaking very similar languages. I am very much in, uh, in the same kind of trajectory. I'm not so focused on divorce, but I'm definitely trying to spread the message that we need to work together and we need to be uh, in better relationships with each other and with ourselves. So it's been an honor to have you. And I hope that like, bef like before we finish this up, I want to ask, what do you recommend people read from what you've written uh, in re with reg regards to this conversation specifically? Yeah. Um, so, so I, I have my two books and I also have something really easy to digest. If the book is not for you, I have 12 top tips um, for anyone wanting to have a transformed relationship or even just a transformed life um, and have a new relationship with yourself. Uh, you can get the 12 tips plus my two books at freelovemodel.com. Um, and there's a special treat there for everybody who um, goes to that website, gets the 12 tips, the two books, and um, find out what the little thank you gift is for visiting my site. Nice. I'm definitely going to do that immediately after this. So I'm going to go and get it. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. for men, you might get a lot from It's Hard. Um, that's really a book that's focused on teaching men these practices. For women, I'm Not Jealous is kind of the focus of that book is for women. Obviously, both books can be used for either person. Um, and I'm Not Jealous, it's really about owning your sovereignty and your autonomy and making choices that are consistent with your authentic expression of you. With I'm not, uh, sorry, it's hard. It's really teaching men to understand what we talked about today, which is the flow of energy, sexual energy, and how to prevent erectile dysfunction or how to reverse it. Mm then I think hopefully I'll be able to catch you in the future for round two, where we can talk about I'm not jealous and everything about the woman's journey. Cause I think that would yeah. be awesome as well to cover that. I love it. It's been so beautiful being with you, Kamal. I really appreciate you reaching out to me and thanks for finding me on Clubhouse. Um, you know, everybody can find me either on any social media at S3 Sequoia. That's where I can be found. Thank you.